0: 1460 KXNO and coming to you live uh, here this morning from well I guess you'd call this left center right Trent Condon we are in the uh, we're at Principal Park in the skyboxes in left field Uh, as we talk to you for the next couple of hours the tarp is still down the grounds crew is on the field but uh They've been looking at the radars. I know they do a whole bunch of times during the regular season, and they believe, they being the iCubs and the people that do this for a living, uh, that this rain is moving out. And uh, fingers crossed, 10:30, 10:45, uh, the rain that we've experienced all morning long and beginning last night should be making its way out of here. They will play baseball today as they wrap up the series against Omaha. It's a 12:08 first pitch. Uh, Apparently it's going to be a lot of school buses in the parking lot when we get set to head home uh, after the show or whenever we vacate the premises today. But uh, they are playing baseball at Principal Park this afternoon, Omaha in town, then off tomorrow before a five-game set with New Orleans. Uh, We'll finish up this homestand. That's on Monday. Coincidentally, you and I, Trent Condon, will be right back down here. What a beautiful spot, you know. As I was telling some of the guys earlier before you got here, um, I've, I've sat in the skyboxes, you know, behind home plate yeah. and up in, uh, the baselines. This is my favorite place by far. I mean, you look out the skyboxes, you know, first base, you got all the, you got people below you, right? Mm-hmm. Look out the skybox here, you go outside, you got the warning track below you. Right. It's, this has to be, you know, in, in some small shape, form or fashion, what it's like to sit at, uh, uh, the monster at, Fen- at Fenway Park. Yeah, not quite as high up, but True, yeah. you do get that vantage point. A vantage Perspective.
1: Point, yeah, that you're not exactly used to. You feel almost more in the action when you're out here you really in, in these suites. And I, I harken back to when we were here right before the big road trip for the Iowa mm-hmm. comes before. Lead off batter for San Antonio hits a shot out here. You're running out, out at the door, trying to, uh, find the whole run ball out there. It's a great game. Have I point.
0: lost a step? Did you notice? You Maybe were, a step or two. You or? were
1: quicker than I anticipated, right. though. I, I know you have your walks every morning. I do. You were good. You were good. You, you were Johnny on the spot. That thing would have landed in the seats. I was all over it. You would have had a souvenir. All over it. All
0: right. Coming up on the program today, we're going to talk to Rob Doster, college basketball talk, part of NBCsports.com. Want to get, uh, you know, more on B line, some rule changes making their way into college basketball. You know, I think this B line to leaving Michigan for the NBA is a bigger story. I really do. And it it all has to do with, you know, with the way, unfortunately, college basketball is going. And if you're, mm, I hate to say it, if you're not willing to cut corners, maybe you're not going to keep up. And yeah. that apparently uh, was one of the big reasons why Beeline, seemingly out of nowhere, said farewell to Michigan, and he's off to the NBA to end his uh, basketball coaching career. Uh, we're going to talk sports wagering with uh, Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. He's been our go-to guy since the bill started to make its way through various houses, like um, I'm way over the tips of my skis as <laughs> uh, Bill started to make its way through the legislature, uh, and Brian's been there for us all the all the uh, all the way. The governor signed it yesterday, about 4:30. You know what? I got, I got to say this just real quick. You wouldn't know it if you were subscribed to the Des Moines Register. There's it, not a peep. It didn't make the newspaper. It did not today. make the paper. Now I love I live way up north in Ankeny, <laughs> right? So maybe I don't get the same paper that okay. the people in the city here do. Because it's Trek. Right. You know, I mean, you You live up in the country. Way up in Ankeny. Trent, I couldn't believe it. I I, I couldn't believe it. Anyways, uh, I digress. We could do this show probably once a week on that. And I like the people over there for the most part. So, but this one deserves it a little 430. criticism. 430. 430. That bill was passed, not a peep. Anyways, it's passed. We're going to talk to Brian and Rilko. So what remains? What's still out there? What needs to be done before the green light is given? Um, I was at uh, Prairie Meadows, as you know, so were you, on, mm-hmm. on Derby Day and walked up to the fourth floor. If you happen to go to Prairie and you want to see where the sports book is going to be, um, and I'm assuming that uh, look, I know the folks at Wild Rose, the properties around uh, the Wild Rose properties, Clinton, Emmonsburg and Jefferson. They are uh, doing their part to get ready for the switch being flipped. But I haven't been to those properties yet. I was at Prairie. So if you get to the fourth floor, which is essentially the top, the top floor that you, the public, can get to. There's one more floor, the fifth floor. That's where actually six. The TV's on six. Five is the stewards, the announcers etc. But the fourth floor is the floor for the public. So when you come off the final escalator and you walk into the building and you take a left and go all the way to the north wall, mm-hmm. that's where the William Hill sportsbook is going to be. Okay. So it's it looks really good. I mean, it was ready to go. Uh the TVs are in place. The um the the, the betting uh, what would you call it? The the terminals, not the terminals, but the station mm-hmm. has been built. Now there was no terminals there at that point because the law hadn't been passed. But they're ready to go. Uh, so if you get out there and you want to see where you know that you'll go up, to, uh go to sign up, etc., and be able to participate, watch all the games up to the fourth floor. Just walk to the north wall. I guess is the best way to describe it. I think they did a nice job. I'm not surprised uh, for two um, you know pretty aggressive companies in Prairie and William Hill, and they're going to do it right. And the switch is going to be. And we're going to be ready to go in September So what remains, Brian Rilko, Trent and I will uh, talk about that coming up here At about 10.45, 10.50 thereabouts Randy Wehofer from the Iowa Cubs Is going to join us at 11 I sent you guys a homework list last night I saw a really cool list It was Yard, Yard Barker uh that put out their twenty two most unbreakable records in baseball, in major league baseball. Records that'll never be broken. At least that's what they said. I think there's a couple on there that you can debate. Uh we'll do that a couple of them. I'm sure most people have their own minds. Ricky Henderson, I don't think anybody will ever break his stolen base record. Um there there's others out there, so we'll we'll do that and we'll get the latest on the I Cubs. You know, trying driving down here today, Trent, trying to last time we were here is what, about two weeks ago? Yep, yep. Since then, Mike Montgomery's been through yep. and gone. Carl Edwards has been here, figured things out, and boy, has he ever looked like he has figured mm-hmm. things out, and he's back up there. Addison Russell, who was at shortstop when he was here. No, he played second base that yes, day. Yes, he did. Played second base that day, and that's where he's been since he has been got recalled. But he's gone. My point being is, you never know who's going to be down here, right? Victor Caratini, the catcher, backup catcher, had a really good day yesterday. He is uh, on his rehab assignment, and of course, we know Ian Happ is down here. So you never know who you're going to see at the ballpark uh, that you've watched on TV with the big Cubs at Wrigley Field. Um But uh, so three three guys since the last time we were here, and a really good Cubs team. They're off to a
1: really good yes, start they are. this year, mm-hmm. and it shows you the development. I mean, there were years where. The Iowa Cubs, eighth, the big Cubs weren't very good. Right. And there was nobody here to help. <laughs> and there was nobody here. And
0: you'd get excited about what? Br- Brant Brown? Is Brant that the- Brown, was- Gary Scott, the third Gary baseman. Scott, that was going to, yes. you know, he was going to finally solidify that position for the first time since Santo. And yeah, there's been a lot of them coming. and go. Oh, there's, there's so many on that list that, list that um, never, never made it. out. Yeah, for whatever reason. Well, this group has, yes. as the rain begins to fall a little bit harder here at Principal Park. But, uh, again, they expect this system to be gone by 1045. They're playing baseball today. This is getaway day for Omaha. They're off tomorrow. Uh, so then Randy Wehofer and our final guest of the day will be our regular weekly guest, one of our regular weekly guests, Zubin Mahente. as we will go around the world of sports with Zubin. We're going to do a lot on sports wagering, but I want to start just a couple of things. Uh, I, I watched your twins last night. Jose Barrios is, is their ace, right? Yes, no doubt. Um, yeah. Didn't look like that yesterday, but look, everybody's going to have a bad one. Mm-hmm. And as you said um before we went on air, you could tell very early, this isn't his best night. Yeah, and, and there are just certain
1: times where that happens, certain times where whatever the starting pitcher is. I mean, I remember those starts for Maddox. Now, Maddox would be a little bit different. He'd still probably go seven innings and give up three earned runs, and for him that would be bad, <laughs> but that's what it was. But you could just tell that whatever reason, velocity is a tick down, Command just isn't quite there, but he walked a couple of guys in the first inning. And mm-hmm. boy, if he could just grind out, they got the two nothing lead. More pop out of Jorge Polanco. That, that guy. It, I don't. It, I don't think he'll stick at shortstop. He's just not good but, enough defensively. But you know what? He was
0: really good last he night. Was, he made a couple of plays did. last night on defensively. I thought because you've said that before. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'd forgot about that. You may want to tap the, br- I'm with you. I, I see what you mean. Long term. I mean, he's the second baseman, yes, probably long yes. term.
1: You know, he, he is, he's a younger guy, but that range is going to start to diminish. And, and if he continues to get a little bit bigger, that's probably where he's destined because right now you look at some of the defensive metrics, he's not great, but he's got pop. Mm-hmm. That lineup's got pop. Eh, Breus had a bad night. Couldn't get to that bullpen. You know, the Angels bullpen, they're pretty good. That We're Anderson like kid, he yeah. he was good. Um On the back end, Robles is now their closer. Anderson pitched, what, seven and eight yesterday or just eight? I think it was seven, and then was it Butchery that came yes, in? Yes, he did. And yes, I really yes, like yes, him. I, right. I thought he was going to be the closer that was going to take over after they had a guy demoted out of that role, but he's turned into more of the eighth-inning guy. But that bullpen's pretty good. Otani's back yeah, for the boy, Angels. Yeah, he parked one. The Mariners uh-huh. appeared to be a mirage, that good start that they uh-huh. were off to.
0: Yeah, they're not going to catch Houston. Nobody's going to no. catch Houston. No, and, and
1: that's, that's the reason. thing. It, it's fighting for a wild card. Birth.
0: Yep. Yep. You're right. And keeping Mike Tr- Trout relevant. Yeah, sadly. That's, that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going to go? Um, uh, Listella, Tommy Listella. Oh, yes. Trent, he's, that's 10 home runs for him now. Last year. No, not last year. In his career. He'd only had 10 home runs and he was okay with Chicago. Yeah. He was just a man without a position on that roster. So you could see why, you know, he became expendable. Maybe not the right word. He had his 10th home run of the season last night. Where were, today's May the 14th. I remind you, man.
1: Does this go into... Brady
0: Anderson territory?
1: Well, no, no, I wasn't
0: going there. That's the first thing I thought of, but i um, it's... Because funny. looking at him, he's not no. that much bigger. No, I know.
1: Brady Anderson, I mean, that, that guy was a Greek god all of a sudden out of mm-hmm. nowhere, as he added 40 pounds of muscle Nine, in an offseason. 10,
0: 14, 12, 50. <laughs>
1: Look at that 24, of his baseball 22. Card. Yeah, they started 18, testing sexy for yeah. him. And it went the other way. No, the whole launch angle movement, and we hear this so much, and, as I'm getting ready for high school baseball season starting next week, and you're and not going
0: to incorporate launch angle. No,
1: no, no, no. I won't. I don't think they have those metrics in the high schools yet <laughs> uh, to get that figured out. But talking to a couple of different coaches here over the last week or so, and that's one thing that they have continued to strive to is any more you hit the ball on the ground you're not a good player for us. Mm-hmm. It is about getting the ball mm-hmm. in the air, hitting it to the gaps, and if you have the power, hitting it out of the ballpark. That's
0: and, been one of the changes in Jason Hayward. Jason yeah. Hayward, four out of five times, was a ground out to second base. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's swing
1: playing, how how you do it, but you see this cross baseball, and Major League Baseball has gone to a different level now. I mean, The three outcomes out of there, walk, mm-hmm. strikeout, or home run. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. how teams are built. That's how the Houston Astros built their team. That's how the Twins right now are building their their team offensively. You see, the Dodgers have done that. Launch angle. I don't know enough minutia. You know that'd be a good Mark Simon question when we get him on again. Is taking a the look at the that. analytical guy that yeah. we have. Yep, going in and looking at that and just how much it changed because the game of baseball it's completely different than what we watched five years ago. It's it is a different game than what we've grown up with, what you're
0: used to seeing. Is it for the better? I don't know. That's, uh, that's certainly not for my generation because we don't understand it. <laughs> and I don't speak for all of them, but I speak for a lot of them. Uh, I wanted to uh, switch gears. And, again, Brian Arilko is coming up. We're going to talk to Brian Arilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Um, I think it's the biggest sp- Iowa sports story has been written. Um, and, and, you know, we still got – Iowa State football, Iowa football, they could have a miraculous season and maybe bump this off the top. But I'm hard pressed to think of a story that might be bigger than this one. When we look back at 2019, at least from a local's perspective, I mean this has been a long time coming. I'm and I'll be honest with you, I'm not so. Sh- I'm sp- four or five years ago, we spent we spent a lot of time as a company looking at this. You know, mm-hmm. is is, is Paspa going to be overturned? Will this happen in our lifetime? And there was really no consensus. But man, oh man. Since it has uh, been overturned and one state after another seemingly is lining up uh, to make this legal, and Iowa yesterday with the governor signing the bill, it's a huge, huge story. And I'm not even sure that you and I, who certainly I think are is on top of this and in tune to this, because it's a hobby of yours, mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly something that, uh, that I think is going to be decent, decent radio in the... Months, weeks, years to come, because I think it's going to become more. Well, look at what ESPN is doing. Yeah, They've got a daily show on sports wagering. ESPN today signed an agreement with The Link, which is a downtown property on the strip in Las Vegas. What did it used to be called? What was the hotel before? I don't remember. I should know this. I do know this, but I don't remember it. Um, but ESPN is building a studio. hmm uh, on the Strip in Las Vegas, it wasn't too many years ago, and we can ask in this, and maybe he will uh, take us behind the curtain at ESPN, where the, you know, where the anchors were asked not to incorporate sports betting, sports lines, into any of their conversation for fear of reprisal from the leagues. Mm-hmm. Now all the leagues are completely on board on this. I get why their hand is out; they want a little piece of this action. But Trent, this is. This is bigger than I think you and I even believe it is. Yeah, and
1: for a person like me, that is—I mean, I have gambled on sports now for twenty-plus years, in different capacities. Most of it online. I nothing really changes for me. Now I'll just be able to do it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. legally.
0: You'll sign up for your app. You'll yep. go to Prairie. You'll go to Wild Rose. You'll get your. You'll shop around for best prices. Yeah, and, but it,
1: it doesn't. It won't change the day to day for me. But Meaning the, you
0: own up the ante. You, if you're going to bet three games, you're going to bet three games, whether it's legal or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Every, yeah last night I bet on hockey.
0: How'd know. you do? Not well. You Took the Sharks. I took the, Sharks. the
1: Blues even that
0: up at one piece Pretty good hockey game.
1: It was. Um, a lot of goals too, and mm-hmm. I almost hit the over. And what uh, was that, the total? Five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. It's,
0: it's always five and a half. It's always five and a
1: half. I, I should have done that one instead. That aside, so for me, but for the number of people that. Oh boy! You put your credit card into some Caribbean company. Well, uh, you're not alone with that, yes. with that uh, fear, if you will. Or, well, you're going to have Johnny Law knocking on your door. I'm going to have five zero after me because I'm hmm. betting ten bucks on the NBA Eastern Conference Finals game. I don't know that that never I I think they have bigger fish to fry than going after me and doing those kind of things. But now that it is legal, how many more people that never have? You know, one of our... Oh, significant. Significant numbers. One of our weekly guests, Tom Kaker, Hawkeye Report. He loves sports wagering. Absolutely loves it. And he loves going to Vegas, and he does it a couple times Mm -hmm. a year. But he never bets online. He's never bet illegally just because of that. He Mm -hmm. says, for him, it it was never worth it. You go to Vegas, and he'll scratch that itch when he's there. And that's enough for him. For me, like to do something daily, it's different. And now to be able to do it differently. But there are so many more people, I think, that like Tom Kaker out there, that just... Didn't want to get into that part of it. Didn't want Mm -hmm. to get into, even if it is a speeding ticket, if you will, just didn't want to go down that route. It opens up for them. And and now the people that, because it never was anything that was part of their daily routine, now they're interested. Now they want to know, how is it done? They want to get the 101 on just
0: how to make a bet. And that's going to become another industry in its own self. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be seminars and people will be flown in from Las Vegas and they'll have... You know, um... Like I say, a seminar with people that you've seen, people that you might have known, but you'll get some information how to do it, what does this mean? Um, you know, from even from that dipping your toe in the water to full blown help me out with this mm-hmm. you know, with this parlay type thing. Gonna be huge. Uh can't wait for it to get here. We're gonna have to wait a little bit longer, but Brian and Rilko will tell us what we're waiting on. I think it's basically administrative rules is is probably the last step and I saw um something written yesterday that they're going to fast track this, that it's going to get A uh, push through maybe quicker than some of the other bills that get passed that need regulations to go along with it because they want to be ready for football and I can't wait to see Trent I can't wait to see A. how much handle the Seahawks game does in our state because I think it's going to be huge and then track that over the years you know when it first became legal all the way back in 2019 there was $375,000 bet on that game Three years later, that number was quadrupled. (laughs) And it seems like it's small change where we're at in 2030, right? It's Mm -hmm. going to be so much fun to watch. It really is. And we're going to be able to participate with the local teams. Now, I know Illinois. I think the most recent uh, regulations I've seen from our neighboring state, Illinois, are going to outlaw college college sports. Their teams. No Northwestern, no Loyola, no Illinois. Those type of things. You'll be able to bet on... Alabama, Auburn, you want to bet the Iron Bowl, you can do that, but you can't. Now, that's Illinois, and mm-hmm. uh, Iowa is, you know, there's no regulation. Now, in-game betting, in-run betting, as it was first called, now they've changed I think it's in-game betting, which makes more sense. I think it's easier to understand. Yes. Yes. Um, you're not going to be able to do that on Iowa, and Iowa State. I think it's merely a concession. I don't understand the concern there of betting on an Iowa and Iowa State game or a Drake or a U and I in the middle of it. I don't know why that that. Um, I think it went hand in hand with the player props for
1: the individual for yeah. Iowa Brock Iowa Purdy, State. Nate Stanley, yes. he's going to
0: throw more for more yards in Seahawks.
1: I think those kind of combined together, and that was mm-hmm. the the leeway that they get, which I, I understand that part of it too. I mean. Your over-under in points is 8.5, and, and your basketball player, it's, that one's pretty easy. I mean, it's, it's not a point spread. It's not you have four teammates and five team players you're going against. It's just you. So I get that one, and at least giving an opportunity here to, to educate these people. And and these guys are all educated. Right. You talk to any former collegiate player, one of the first things when you get on campus you're talked about is just this, is sports wagering. And how you can end up in jail,
0: right? Well, Jamie Pollard made a great point yesterday. I don't know who asked him the question at the uh, at the uh, Cy, uh, Cyclone tailgate event. I'm not sure which one it was at the, for the first or the second stop. But he was interviewed, and he was asked that question as to how they're going to educate his athletes. Look, what, whatever they're doing at UNLV, mm-hmm. that's what you want to bring to wherever you know, whatever state you reside in. That, uh, and you're an athletic director, an athletic department. What is how does UNLV go about it? You know, when you, when you sign to play basketball or football at UNLV, what, what classes, if you will, do you have to sit through, uh, before you, um, you know, you're eligible to take the field. So certainly remains out there. We got to get a break because I want to spend some time with Rob Doster. Uh, collegebasketballtalk.com. We'll do that. Again, Brian Arilco, 1045. We're Miller and Condon. But before we go to break, I'm going to throw it to our buddy, Emery Songer. By the way, Emery, congratulations. You and Sean Roberts, your sports talk career underway Saturday mornings from eight to 10. Uh, give us kind of, uh, from your perspective, how was your first show?
2: Well, I didn't have a ton of huge expectations, Ken. I, I kind of went into it just knowing that we had to kind of work a base. We talked about that on Friday on your program, but I thought it went really, really well, and we were excited to be in here. We had a a full show. We had Brian Hart in the AD of Drake, Michael Admire on to talk Drake softball, which I I didn't expect to be talking about Drake softball on our first show, but it was a great story. We had awesome guests about it. We, of course, had to talk about Iowa Wild, but it was just a good getting your feet wet level experience, and uh, we're excited to kind of build off that these uh, next few weeks as we try to figure out what we're going to talk about for the rest of the summer. Yeah, there
0: is that, no doubt about it. Well, you've got the uh, 10 o'clock keyword, EKG Golf, and uh, and KXNO are teaming up for that. I'll throw it to you for that, Emory, and we'll come back. We'll talk to Rob Doster, KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. We're live at Principal Park, downtown Des Moines. Baseball being played today, 12.08 first pitch. Omaha in town. They'll wrap up that series today. I Cubs off tomorrow before they finish out the homestand. Five of them uh, with New Orleans. It will culminate Monday when Trent and I will be right back down here. Let's get Rob Doster in here. He's our go-to college basketball guy from a national perspective. We're grateful when he joins us throughout the season. And uh, as we said to him at the, at the when they cut down the nets, you know that there will be a topic that comes up that we need your expertise on, Rob Doster. And this one is certainly one of them. Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Rob. How you been?
3: I am doing well, guys. I'm doing well. You know, I haven't talked to you for about a month. That's when you know basketball season's over. You guys don't want to have me on the radio anymore. So I am, uh, I'm pretty happy to be back, man. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Well, we're
0: glad to have you. You know, this, uh, John Beeline news, I think it's a blow to college basketball. I really do. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you know him differently, and I don't claim to know him just from afar, uh, Rob, but this is a guy that seemingly did things right, did things the right way, wasn't willing to, you know, to cut corners, not going to get caught up in that scandal, at least that uh, we know of, uh, that was uh, just uh, playing out in a courtroom in New York City. And apparently one of the things behind his move to the Cleveland Cavaliers and leaving college basketball was he didn't like that the NCAA really has no recourse when some of these programs are caught with their hand in the cookie jar. But college basketball's worse without John Beeline, in my opinion. How about you?
3: I mean, it, it's, probably, it's better with John Beeline there just because he's such a, a terrific basketball coach in a basketball mind. And, you know, obviously the things that he did at Michigan, uh, you know, I don't really have to spell them out. You guys are in Big Ten country. Everyone's fully aware of what he did there. And, and you know, the better coaches that we have in the sport, the better it's going to be. But, you know, people said the same thing when when Brad Stevens left Butler for the NBA. You know, they said that, that this was a bad thing for college basketball. and College basketball's demise is coming up and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, college basketball is just fine. Brad Stevens in the NBA and college basketball survived. He said the same thing with Billy Donovan left uh, Florida for Oklahoma City and, and you know, college basketball survived. So, um, I don't think that this is necessarily a positive day for the sport, but I think this is something that John Beeline in his heart of hearts always wanted to do. You know, if you remember last year, he almost left to take the Detroit the Pistons job. And I think he kind of got scared off because of the idea that, you know, the news leaked before he was ready to have a league and before he was ready to accept the job. So um, I'm not totally surprised that he, he headed off to the NBA. And, and you know, honestly, I kind of think it's just always something that was kind of on his radar. You know, when you are a guy like he is, it's built your way up from, you know, if you remember 44 years ago, he started as a high school coach in upstate New York, and he worked his way up from junior college Division Three to Division Two to Canisius to Richmond to West Virginia and finally the Michigan. So, um, I think this is the kind of thing where you want to test yourself right like that's that's when you're a competitive human being like you always want to see if you're able to compete at the highest level and you want to see if you're able to do it for the next step up and I, I just kind of think this was I don't want to say it was always the end game but it doesn't surprise me that a guy like John bline ended up at the highest level of the sports just to see if he was able to do it at the highest level of the sport so uh, it makes sense to me I don't think this is the like a death blow for college basketball, it's certainly not a good thing. Michigan being as relevant as they were under John Beeline is a good thing for the sport, the same way that, like, you know, Memphis being what they're going to be next year under Penny Hardaway is a good thing for the sport. Um, so that it hurts in that sense. I just don't know if this is. You know, I've seen some people uh, writing columns about how uh, this is this is the end of college basketball. and The end is near because John Beeline is gone. And, you know, I, I, I've read so many the, the end of college basketballs here columns over the course of the last five years. I'm surprised that you know we were able to actually have an NCAA tournament this year. I thought that thought the college basketball <laughs> would be dead by now. It
1: it will survive. There's no doubt it will survive. And Michigan will survive. Though before Beeline got there, it was 20 years of some pretty inconsistent and low level basketball for a number of those years for Michigan. Where do they turn in the Michigan job? It's not a blue blood. It's it's not at that level. It's probably the next tier below, probably one of the, say, top 15 jobs in the not country. The best but, job, but
0: not the best job in the state.
1: Right. But uh, is this job more difficult than maybe people on the surface realize at Michigan?
3: I don't know if it's more difficult. Um, I think it is very much one of the more ideal jobs in college basketball, the same way that like the University of Texas is and Ohio State and Florida and schools of that magnitude where There is a basketball tradition, um, and there are fans that really do care about, uh, just the the sport in general, but you don't have the same kind of pressure on you that you do at some place like in North Carolina or a Kentucky or a Duke or UCLA where, um, or like in Indiana where fans more than anything care about what happens on the basketball court. You know, Michigan is football first and they care about basketball there. Like there, there, there is some pressure and then, uh, they do want to win, and, and when it gets good, like they have a massive national fan base. But all of that, all that matters after Michigan, uh, you know, ends up losing the Big Ten championship or not having the chance to make it to the uh, the national title game or whatever it ends up being. You it's football first and foremost, and then basketball comes later. And that's, you know, that's a good thing because you don't have the same kind of pressure on you to win. You're not living in a fishbowl the same way that John Calipari is at the University of Kentucky. So um, you combine that with the fact that there's a recruiting base there, there's a national brand there, there's money, there's facilities. You know, I think that's a top 12 to 15 job in all of college basketball. And I think there are going to be some very, very big names that you end up seeing linked with this. And I would not be surprised if they ended up with somebody, you know, uh, I think the favorite at this point, it seems like everyone is kind of pointing to Billy Donovan, right? Like if he ends up losing his job at Oklahoma City, And he wants to find a way to get back into college basketball if he doesn't want to stay in the NBA. You know, I think Michigan is a perfect landing spot. He's not going to have to recruit in the SEC anymore. You know, it's the same kind of situation as Florida where um, everyone's going to be focused on what happens on the football field and he can kind of go do his thing on the basketball court and and, uh, do what he needs to do. There's pedigree there. Um, There is a little bit of expectation and it's gotten to the point now where people can look at Michigan and say, okay, that's the team that had the national player of the year in 2013. And, you know, twice in the last six seasons, they played the national title game. And we've seen them make these runs. And, you know, they've sent, uh, I want to say, assuming uh, Braz biggest, Jordan Poole, and, um, and Charles Matthews all end up playing in the NBA in the last seven seasons, they've all sent 13 players to the highest level of the sport. So mm. there's pedigree, there's a name brand, there's people, people realize it's the way to get you to a professional level. So, I think there is very much going to be some big names involved. I don't think they're going to get Brad Stevens. I don't think that Tony Bennett no. is going to go take Michigan. I don't think Chris Beer, Dinwright, these guys are going to end up leaving. I think you make those calls if you're Michigan, just because on the off chance of, like, let's say that no one knows that Dinwright got into some fight with his AD uh, over something because they didn't mow the lawn or whatever it ends up being, and um, <laughs> he wants out, I mean, that would be a good landing spot for him. So I think you got to make that call. I don't think you're gonna get him. I think you probably end up with somebody like a uh like a Billy Donovan, maybe like a Shaka Smart if he's trying to get out of Texas. Um somebody kind of not that elite tier of coach, but that kind of next tier that's gonna do a good job regardless of where they end up being.
0: Rob Doster's with us, College Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. Miller and Condon were live at Principal Park where uh, the I-Cubs started to make their way onto the field going through some uh, long toss, so they're playing baseball down here today uh, at 12.08. Rob, it's uh, draft lottery night tonight. Just let me ask you about Zion because it's still, I mean, the, more so the consensus is, yes, he's going to be a star in the league. Yet for a number one, seemingly projected overall pick, there seems to be, a fair, um, more than maybe the normal share of, boy, I'm not just so sure that this guy is going to be the star that many project. He's 280 pounds, a lot of yada yada. Where are you on Zion? Is he a no-doubt-about-it NBA star in the years to come?
3: I think that he is the best prospect to enter the NBA since Anthony Davis. I would take him, if we had all of the number one draft picks from 2013 through today, in a pool, they were all 19 years old, all the same age, all, all their gear heading into the NBA, Zion would be my first pick because I think that he's just the absolute perfect fit for what you're looking for in the NBA these days. And, yes, look, the, the weight is a little bit of a concern for me. And it's not because I don't think he's going to be able to move uh, the way he needs to move at the NBA level. Or, and I don't think it's necessarily endurance. I think that will get there. My big thing is, like, when you have a 48-inch vertical or whatever it is, at his size, you know, every time he jumps and lands, you have 280 pounds landing on his knees and landing on his ankles. So think about, like, go stand on your kitchen counter and then jump off your kitchen counter and land and do that, like, 500 times a day and tell me how long it takes before your knees and your ankles start getting really, really sore. That's what he's going to have to deal with, and I think that there might be, I think it's justified medically that that could end up taking some years off of the back end, but I think that it's worth it because of what he would be you know, I think he's going to step in the NBA and he's going to be an impact player right away. I think when he hits his ceiling, he is going to be some combination of like Draymond Green and Julius Randle. And the idea, you know, going up against really good college defenses, he was able to get to the rim when defenses were packed in against him on a team that didn't have anybody that can shoot, and he got to the rim at will. Now think about putting him on an NBA floor where the three-point line is three feet further back, where you have guys at every single spot before that can shoot, and asking somebody to, to to guard him as quick as he is, as big as he is, and as strong as he is in, in isolation, like it's going to be a nightmare. The more space you get at the NBA level is going to make him impossible to guard. And I just think that he's going to be able to get to the rim at will. I think the players are going to bounce off of him. Um, I think that by the end of the year, you know, uh, there's this big question about whether or not he's going to be able to shoot. By the end of the season, he shot 34% from three. Which is pretty good for a guy his size. Like, that's the exact same percentage that Jason Tatum shot when he was a freshman at Duke. Um, and that is before you get into everything he could do as, like, a small ball five rim protector, as a guy that can grab and go off of the defensive glass, his ability to pass and transition, everything he does rebounding the ball. You know, I just, I think that he is just such a, uh, a fantastic talent and a fascinating player. And that is before you get to, uh, like, all the money that he's going to be worth, right? Like, I, I don't know, outside of LeBron, is there anybody in the NBA today that is more marketable than he is? You know, wherever he ends up going, he's going to sell, like, a, like thousands and thousands, if not millions, of, of jerseys. You know, he, there, there's a reason why there's going to be such a massive bidding war to be able to, you know, for the shoe company that he ends up mm-hmm. um, ends up being employed by. You know, it, 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 there's going to be an entire generation of kids to end up being a fan of whatever team drafts him. Not, I'm not talking about just the United States. I'm talking about global. There's going to be an entire generation of kids that grow up being a fan of whatever team he ends up on simply because they have Zion Williamson. You go from being an organization, like let's say it's the, I don't know, it's the Hawks, right? How many people in, um, in Europe know that the Hawks, Atlanta Hawks are a thing? And as soon as Zion Williamson gets drafted and every single highlight he has um, ends up going viral, and he becomes the, the guy that is always on the House of Highlights on Instagram, and he becomes this, uh, even more of a YouTube sensation. Well, suddenly you have people in France and people in Spain wearing Zion Williamson Atlanta Hawks jerseys the same way that you have people walking down the street here wearing uh, PSG, Kylian Mbappe jerseys, or wearing Juventus, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo jerseys. And um, I think what he Look does... Look
0: you flaunting is, your soccer knowledge.
3: Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm a big soccer guy, but I, I think that that comparison <laughs> is justified because, like, Kylian yeah, Mbappe, for people who yeah, do don't know, like, is this uh, he's a, like a 19 year old from France that had this massive season with Monaco, which is a smaller club, and then he, he ended up going and winning the World Cup, and he got bought by PSG, which is one of the biggest clubs, and now everybody knows who he is, and everybody's out here buying these PSG jerseys, and the same thing is going to happen for whoever ends up drafting Zion Williamson. So it's not just that I think he's such a great prospect; it's the fact that the financial boom and the windfall that you're going to get from what he's going to be able to do for your organization. Like it just, if anybody, if someone other than Zion Williamson gets drafted number one, if Don Morant goes number one, then whoever, everybody no in that organization needs to be fired, and the NBA needs to step in <laughs> and they need to force that, that owner to sell the organization because that person is too dumb to have an NBA franchise being run from. It just. You have to take Zion, number one. It's just between what he's going to do on the basketball court and what he will do off the basketball court. It's just I can't remember anything ever like this before.
0: Rob Doster, College Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. Rob, thanks for giving us a few minutes today. We will uh, talk to you, I'm certain, in the weeks to come. Thanks, Rob. Good to talk to you.
3: Uh, Hopefully you have me back on, man. That's all I need. (laughs)
0: <laughs> count on it, my friend. You can count on it. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. All right. See you. Yep. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster's, we come to you live from Principal Park. The tarp is coming off. Boy, that was fascinating. Hey, to I watch, love wasn't watching it? it. Yes. Boy, there's a lot of water on that thing. You don't realize, yeah. do you? There's how many? One, two, three, four, I don't know, 12, 14, mm-hmm. all with a section. And they were struggling at the end as they got uh, close to getting uh, that out into right field. While the tarps coming off for playing baseball, twelve oh eight. We're talking sports wagering in our state, the state of Iowa. Next with Brian Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. We're live at Principal Park. First pitch today, twelve oh eight. The TARP is off the field. The players are uh, warming up the Royals are in uh, right there on the field and playing a little long toss and pitchers etc for the Iowa Cubs are on the field as well we are about an hour and 20 minutes or so from day baseball downtown let's talk to Brian and shall we perhaps uh, in the months to come Trent or babe well certainly not for this year but for next season be able to you know make a wager on today's yeah. uh, I Cubs Omaha Royals game before you make your way down here to the ballpark (laughs) on your mobile device. Brian Arilco has been uh, very good to us from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commissions. We have questions. He's always had those answers. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Brian Arilco?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, Good to talk to you guys
0: yeah good to talk to you brian so did your um week get a whole lot busy i'm assuming you guys were anticipating that the governor would sign this and have already started on the rules and regulations but uh i kind of give us uh from yesterday when it became official when she signed it into law did that ratchet things up the way you guys uh go about your day
2: yeah it absolutely did and it's uh becoming real now and uh so all of the work uh, that we have done, um, thankfully, uh, has uh, the the ball is in motion, and and it's time uh, to uh, start uh, putting the finishing touches on uh, rules, and and uh, get a chance to get those out uh, uh, to the public and to all the other stakeholders, and you know. Uh, today has been an extremely busy day uh, many questions from the industry uh, in terms of um, when can they start uh, submitting license applications um, when can they review rules and so uh, we're just trying to get out in front of that um, getting license applications out to those people so that um, so that they can uh, do their work because um, yes the commission will need to write rules and those rules will need to be in place uh, but Uh, licensing is also very important and, and most of the companies that, uh, uh, do business in casinos in Iowa, they will need help with their sports books. And so those folks that they're bringing in will need to go through due diligence and suitability and, and need to do their job in order for, uh, these first bets, uh, to be available. Um, you know, those times that we've talked about.
1: Brian, as uh, this passed from lawmakers a month ago, and it's been on Governor Reynolds' uh, desk for the last couple of weeks, was there ever a concern, was there ever a a nervous moment for you and and other people inside the commission that maybe she wouldn't sign off on this?
2: So the commission has always been neutral. And so from our standpoint, um, it, it, uh, it really didn't make much difference. I mean, we had put some work into it, but that work, uh, needed to be done, um, if it wasn't this year, you know, maybe next year or the year after, um, you know, jurisdictions are, are picking away one at a time, uh, and, and approving sports. And so, you know, it was something that, um, more than likely would happen at some point. Uh, the casino industry, I've heard from a number of the of them members and especially those that had entered into agreements, uh, kind of prospectively, prospectively, um, you know, I, I don't I can't say they were nervous, but but they, um, you know, they were anxious to get moving. And and so uh, so I think there was maybe some relief to some of those companies that had picked a partner early.
0: Uh, Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Brian, I saw a piece uh, yesterday online that this is going to be the regulations, et cetera, are going to be fast tracked, meaning that you know maybe uh, a procedural uh, is 90 days, and I'm just pulling it out of thin air because I don't know, but apparently this is fast tracked, so we will be able to make our first wagers in plenty of time for football. Are you aware of that, and what exactly does that mean, Brian?
2: Yeah, so that's so that's true. Within the legislation, uh, it specifically contemplate, c- contemplates emergency rulemaking, and so that is different uh, than how most gaming rules are, are and have been uh, handled in the past. And so, um, what that means is that there are steps that um, can um, be skipped in order to do things more quickly, and, uh, and and even though the commission might have the authority to to um, you know, um, to do things uh, through an emergency process. You know, we'll still make sure that the public has input uh, in the rules, and and the stakeholders uh, do as well. And so, so there will be uh, a balance uh, between getting that input and getting things done quickly. Uh, um, because of the emergency rulemaking uh, that is contemplated in the legislation, uh, it will allow for things to be done um, within. Um, the next uh, um, 60 to 90 days and so i still think that august timeline is is very uh is very uh approachable and so uh uh, so normally rules would take four to six months and and this you know will allow things to go quicker with that
1: the question for most everybody is when I, i know you don't have an official day but can you give us an estimate a guesstimate if you will of when we can do this, when I can stand in line for the first time and make my wager and, and get my account set up?
2: So I think our goal is still to have rules in place by August. And I, I think um, uh, if uh, the commission can uh, publish rules uh, around uh, the first week of July, uh, there will be uh, an, uh, a process in place to work through um, a- any issues that um, might come up through those rules, and and at uh, some time between July and August. Uh, A special meeting would be held so that the Commission could vote on those rules and at that point uh, things would be uh, into into play you know the other piece is still uh, licensing and the casino Mm -hmm. operators at this point in time are working very quickly to finalize all of their agreements with uh, with their partners and so those partners will need to submit applications and and cooperate through due diligence and and so um, you know, if all of that happens, um, then I still think it is reasonable to assume, you know, sometime the, f- the first part of August, uh, to to have wagers uh, uh, to be accepted.
0: Well, we're not going to keep you much longer, Brian. We want you to roll up your sleeves and get to work on those <laughs> <laughs> rules so that we meet that deadline. Uh, but, but last thing, uh, and I know we talked about this before and I, and I'm just asking it to repeat uh, for people that, you know, maybe didn't believe it or maybe didn't understand that this was as close to happening as it is. You, we, the public will be able to wager on Iowa, Iowa State, Drake, uh, basketball certainly, and, and you and I in the state of Iowa, just not in game wagering, but you will be able to, you know, Know, the line will be out on the Cy Hawk, whatever it is, and people will be able to either, you know, sign up for an account and wager on their mobile device, or go to the one of the facilities, Iowa, Iowa State, etc., in play and available for wagering once the green light is given.
2: That's all correct, and so the uh, folks will be able to bet on uh, any of the Iowa college games, the Iowa State game, uh, any uh, other game involving uh, Iowa colleges. Uh, what is prohibited is in-play wagering on individual performances, and so, so if they're uh, uh, what we cannot do in Iowa is bet on uh, an individual uh, in terms of if they're going to make uh, a certain field goal or throw for so many yards, uh, those types right. of things would be prohibited.
0: Uh, last thing for you, Brian. I know what, what also came with the bill was the fantasy sports angle of it that really has gotten lost in this, and understandably so. Give us an idea. Say for the ten questions that you fielded, say, today, eight of them on sports wagering, two of them on fantasy. It seems like it's really getting overlooked that fantasy sports is going to be legal. Give us an idea of you know the, uh, the questions that you're answering. How many are sports wagering and how many are fantasy-related?
2: Yeah, that's no, a good question, and, and you're right on. Uh, that has seemed to have gotten lost, uh, but there is a whole division in the bill about daily fantasy sports. Um, I'd say 90% of the questions we have uh, uh, would be on just you know traditional sports wagering, um, but fantasy sports is something that uh, will be authorized as well. We're hoping to do that um, simultaneously uh, with respect to rule writing and licensing, and so when we talk about those dates you know the goal would be to do the same thing for daily fantasy sports and so you know it's a it's a whole different animal um, a few years ago that was maybe the only option in a lot of jurisdictions yeah. um you know now now it's it's both and so it'll be interesting to kind of see what customers do uh, and where they will spend their money um but uh you know the both options will be available in the state of Iowa
0: Brian, thanks for what you do for us. Appreciate you coming on, Brian Rilko. Good to talk to you, my friend.
2: Yep, glad to do it. Thanks, guys.
0: Yep, take care, Brian Rilko. Sports wagering is coming. The governor has signed it into law. August, middle of August, at the latest, I would think, will be set. August first, I'm shooting. August first. Randy wayho from the Iowa Cubs is going to join us. Grounds crew is out. Tarp is off the field. Play ball. Twelve away. Miller and Condon live at Principal Park. We'll be back with hour two on 1460 K.